This is the National Lampoon Radio Hour. You know, Jacques, I had a funny thought coming over here right before we turned on the microphones. I thought, what if, what if Paul Lind were tortured? And by tortured, I mean, what if six-inch steel needles were plunged into his eyeballs? I think it would go a little something like this. I think. <laughs> Hello, uh, and welcome to Carnival Personnel Sideshow. I'm Jacques. I'm Joe. I think. And uh, we are going to talk all about Joe and my love for the National Lampoon Radio Hour. That was a recreation of... Uh, of uh, O'Donohue's, right? Michael O'Donohue, who was a writer and creator, yes. He uh, did a, a skit where Ed Sullivan was tortured. I decided to update it for the kids by, I think, about approximately three years. Yeah, I think <laughs> like, I, that's I, the, the jump from Ed Sullivan's audience to the Paul Lind audience. Uh, well done, Joseph. Well done. And if I can't talk on the next sideshow, you'll know why. So we talked about this week on Carnival Personnel sandwich between Trump sucks and the Patriots are great is that there was a documentary that came out this week. Well, I don't know if it came out this week, but Joe and I both saw it this week called uh, a stupid and futile gesture. A, a futile and stupid gesture. Thank you. Which is a line from Animal House. Doug Kenny, the co-founder of National Lampoon of uh, the magazine, in the midst of it, probably at, at, at the peak of its like, you know, publication, decided they were going to do a radio show. It started off as an hour show, but then they knocked it down to a half-hour show. That's correct, because they just couldn't fill that much time. Because the same people who were writing the magazine were also the cast and crew of it. It only lasted 13 months. It ran from December 1973 to, uh, yeah, November 73 to December 74. Joe, do you have the cast list in front of you? I do. Talk about, I mean, and, and, and let's think about this, like... Other than Saturday Night Live, which we'll talk about in a second, has there ever been a single bigger springboard jumping off or platform that has launched more absolute generationally decisive careers? I'd be hard-pressed to find one under these circumstances, Jacques. But let's go down the list of the cream of the crop that appear in a lot of the skits. We have your John Belushi, Chevy Chase, Bill... Murray, Gilda Radner, Harold Ramis, uh, Richard Belzer, Christopher Guest. No, no, no. I, I said the National Lampoon cast list, not the early Saturday Night Live cast list. Oh, wait. That's the same exact thing. Uh, lo and behold, the same performers that they ma- amassed for the National Lampoon Radio Hour that debuted in 73 and wrapped at the end of 74... Uh, then decided to take their talents to Lauren Michaels and NBC for this new wild and crazy show called Saturday Night. I mean, in the documentary, they touched on it and like how much I would love to know how much was truth and how much was artistic license, if you want to call it that. 
but truly this this lampoon cast a lot of them were writers on the magazine uh the magazine also started a a group called the lemmings which you know you have the growlings in la you got second city in toronto and chicago but you have the lemmings in new york and at the time they were the biggest comedy uh sketch like live show and they sold out at theater each and every week so they took that and that and that also have music groups that also could very well be argued the birthplace of the blues brothers because john belushi did a lot of live blues numbers as part of that but yeah it, it it was it was just a few months after the lampoon radio hour raps that oh lauren michaels is great comedic talent scout and producer puts together the exact i mean even the 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 head writer what's his name Michael Donahue. Yeah, so he he was the guy who did the skit that Joe just did, which is absolutely fantastic. Your recreation with Paul Lynn, more than spectacular. But uh, but yeah, it's the exact same cast and crew. But sticking with the Lampoon, who else did we have on the list of of performers? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, after guest, after Christopher Guest, uh, you know uh, Brian Doyle Murray. Never heard of him. <laughs> Joe Flaherty. Never heard of him. Uh, Ann Bates, who was a writer for also the Lampoon magazine. Doug Kenny, it was a something that I would not have known about had the box set of the best of the National Lampoon Radio Hour not been put together by, I think it was Rhino Records. It, it was, and I can tell you how I came about it, because when I was working at that sweatshop post house in L.A., Rhino was a client of ours, and... There was a one hand washes the other. Lots of times, like the the guys who would order and stuff like that, we would uh, give them a discount and run orders from them in exchange for you know their rep would say, "Here's our catalog. What do you want?" And I got that box set in, in which. You know, we were just trying to figure out what happened to it. I perched when I left LA and I gave, just gave boxes of stuff away. And now, how much is that box set on uh, Amazon? If you want to buy the three disc box set of uh, the best of the National Lampoon Radio Hour, buy this box or we'll shoot this dog. It will go for about $120 used. Yeah. So Joe and I had this box set when we did a cross-country trek in 96. One of the sketch shows that Joe and I did, we did the, was it? Was it a Misty's Kitchen or Formal Edition? Misty's, what? It was it a what, what? is it a Misty's? Um, oh, audio problems and dropout. That was Formal Edition. Yes, that, that was, was a final episode of that era of Formal Edition. And flat out, you know, uh, we we should we should post the stuff sooner or later. Uh, well, actually, we're past the sooner part, <laughs> so we're in the later now. But there's a couple of the sketches that uh, that we use that we. Uh, What's so nice way of saying completely ripped off? Uh, swiped. Swiped. Um, what was the skit that we had that was the takeoff of the immigrants? No, no, you're. It was. The, 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 it was. It was. Oh, uh, no, uh, it was. Deswan. Deswan. Yeah, Roger. I. This is Roger Deswan's. We 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 did a parody of that where we were taking a long car ride, and. Um, uh, an incredulous journey, I think, is the phrase that you had come up with, and which you know, uh, within thirty seconds of the the trek, we wind up in a car wreck. Right. The whole premise of the skit is Christopher Guest would ramble on for about two minutes, setting up a masterpiece of you know, like they would do a Dostoevsky's The Idiot. And he would go into the nuances of what Dostoevsky was trying to achieve with his work and the intricacies. And then... Wait, wait. Think 
inside the actor's studio, but more snotty. Right, meets <laughs> Masterpiece Theater, that kind of thing. Good evening, and welcome once again to Classics of the Contemporary Drama. My name is Roger de Swans, and it is my pleasure and privilege to introduce a rather special event in the history of broadcast theater, an adaption for radio of Fyodor Dostoevsky's immortal masterpiece, The Idiot. But yeah, so so we 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 in our in some of the sketch stuff that Joe and I did heavily influenced. We're, we're politely say much in the way that you know uh, my old band beyond it was heavily influenced by Buffalo Tom, meaning we would take ninety percent of a Buffalo Tom song or or that that's not really fair. <laughs> Dan's lyrics were completely different. I just took every drum lick ever from Tom McGinnis and used it. Um, but the lampoon, the, the the trick we took across country, look. It, it was about a week because we had a four-day stop-off in Chicago, but the entire time, honestly, if you can wear out CDs, I think we did. Yeah, so I guess, I don't know what the whole point of the sideshow is going to be. I don't know what the structure is going to be. I, I, I ha- <laughs> structure! <laughs> Here I go. Structure! <laughs> point! <laughs> Just, we're 50 of these podcasts and we you know when when a structure and a point have anything to do uh, it's the whole humble bit <laughs> <laughs> but anyway what i have here in front of me on my computer is a track listing of the best of the national lampoon radio hour which was produced in 1996 that jacques and i you know, like like the, the 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 happy little idiots that we were driving across country would play over and over until finally, you know, the CD was spit out by the car's player. To say, no mas. Yeah, right. The car the car basically broke down. It Why did my its car own... speak Spanish? Right. Well, you know. <laughs> no mas. <laughs> so let's go down the list here. Well, you had your introductions, obviously. Advanced malignant tumor of the brain. I'm just going to go down the. I'm literally going to go down does, a track does, list. Does it, does it credit? Okay, here if we want to put some some credence to this, if it says who the writers of the skit is, yeah, it has the performers. What what, what might be interesting, most likely won't be. But what I love about the Lampoon is these guys are young. They're late teens, early twenties. I mean, for the most yeah. part. I mean, you know, because you think it's like. I don't know. It's like when Saturday, when Bill Murray wasn't the first season of Saturday Night Live, he came on the second. He was 25, 26, which means when he was doing this, he was 21, 22. Yep. And what's interesting is you can see, like with a Christopher Guest, it's like how that influenced, you know, waiting for Guffman. For, I mean, a, a perfect example. So, I mean, maybe we can... Yeah, I guess, well, Christopher Guest had a lot of um, song parodies on this. So... Which don't really quite hold up. I mean, there there was a lot of folk parodies. There was like a lot of um, very dated, very dated humor. And by the way, I have also <clears throat> on my I've I've downloaded the full episodes that people have uploaded over the years of the National Lampoon Radio Hour. A lot of it is like Monty Python's canon. A little unlistenable. Like, thank God Rhino went in and cherry-picked the best of the best. Well, well, but, but with anything, it's like, yeah, Monty Python's Flying Circus. When you see clips, I mean, there there are just some skits that are, what's, what is that? Python was 65-ish? 65? Yeah, late 60s. Late yeah. 60s. Not dated. I mean, there's some skits that are pushing 50 years old. That are eternal. Yeah, they're, they're evergreen. And then there's some that are like, 
this was funny? Or was this funny in Britain <laughs> 50 years ago? Yeah. But, you know, then, then you have some stuff that stood the test of time. So, yeah, a lot of the guest music parodies now don't play as well. I mean, there's some that play well, but then you're like, this is where Spinal Tap came from. This is where A Mighty Wind came from. Yeah, maybe we can go towards like just some of the throwaway bits because a lot of this, a lot of the tracks are 30 second interstitial kind of things that are just thrown in there. And they're also chained together. So, like, they're a series of a similar theme that appear throughout the course of the broadcast. Like, you would have Richard Belzer, who at the time was a very hot comic. He uh, would do these things called, and now the comedy stylings of Officer Tim O'Malley. A funny thing happened to me on my beat today. I arrested a guy who was so ugly, I handcuffed his face. 10-4. But no kidding, folks. This guy was so dumb that when I told him I was going to book him downtown, he thought I got him a job in a nightclub. Two, three, four, ten, four. Some of those are our favorite ones. Uh, uh, the Arabian, like, you know, she comedian. Yeah, right. Thank you very much. Take my wives, please. Hey, no, but Syria, Slee. I like this outfit. I lost weight. These are fitted sheets. Hey, watch it. I'm a prince. Hey, I got my flying carpet. It's well to well. I just got through playing the sands. Check your oil. Check your head, Buster. Hey, watch it. Where I come from, we cut your tongue out. Um, the Indianapolis Academy of the French Accent. That was Christopher. Uh, that, and, and, and again, I mean, he would find the absurdity, and that's like a best of show type thing where he takes a a subculture or a weird thing and like shines a light. Right, but th- that would be that. That was a, a commercial for if you don't want to, you know, take learn the time French. to actually learn French. All you have to do is speak with the French accent. And then nobody will think that you speak like how you say the pig. <laughs> pig. I used to talk like the pig, but then after the academy, mon ami, I learned how to speak with the French accent. And voila, I am now the headbagger at the grocery store. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of political stuff. Uh, but w- what was great is... I I have a true true love for the and and I used to collect them the tapes and they're probably somewhere in my mom's attic now but they're all online you can you know hear them all on YouTube is the comedy variety shows from the radio from the 20s from the 30s from the 30s and the 40s like you know Jack Benny show before television you know the the Burns and Alley show before television and and then there's a lot of other ones that you know are you know didn't hold up uh, or their names didn't hold up that these guys obviously grew up on so even though this came out when I'm three years old and Joe isn't even a, you know, gleam in his dad's eye, uh, you know. And if you want an example of how Chevy Chase was inherently at one time a very funny person. Chucking. Yes. Like crazy funny. Yeah, I mean, there were sketches like, um, uh, you know, like the straight man auditions. Well, yeah. it's a, it, that was a, not just a solely a Chevy Chase skit. Did they, <laughs> in the documentary, they have the... He just called himself a cap. Right. <laughs> like, 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 he that. just called himself a cap. Right. The, the straight man auditions was, all right, guys, come on. Today we're only going to be doing straight men. Uh, so just whenever you're ready, just pitch out your, your best setup lines. Uh, 
I once know a farmer with a wooden leg. Right. Hi, I'm Brown from the Sun. <laughs> and and so the whole joke is like we're straight guys, not meaning guys who like chicks, but like you know the the, the setup guys in a, in a two man a joke set up punchline situation, and then you would just hear all the setups and no punchlines, and then all of a sudden at the very end, well, at one point somebody was like, "Can somebody call me a cab?" And then they go on, right? And then, all right, all right, you're a cab. And then there'll be more, a couple more straight lines. They go, hold it, hold it. Did we catch a punchline in there? <laughs> Get the hell out of here. And then regular Milton Burl over here. So, so yeah, I mean. Cherry Chase, truly, you know, Caddyshack and Fletch and Fletch Lives in the vacation movies. He he was really fucking funny for a long period of time. The great thing is, and again, we we had talked about this on the sideshow, he is somebody who is just has such, you know, everybody who's ever worked with him has disdain for him. And it'd be great because, like, you know, he did community, and I guess for Almost from day one, they wanted to get rid of him because he was so difficult to work with. And Joel McHale was his one and only champion. Like he kept repeatedly, like sticking up for him, making excuses for him, working a shoot schedule around him so Cherry wouldn't have to work with the people that he really pissed off. So it was great that Joel McHale played him in that documentary. Yeah, and getting back to Chevy Chase's work on the Radio Hour, a lot of the best of sketches that he were was featured in were interview segments where he would interview... Um, there, there was a big thing about The Godfather in 73, obviously, in 74. They would interview Marlon Brando. Uh, Played by Belushi. Right. They would interview uh, the Hollywood Gay Alliance, <laughs> which is fantastic. What, what? We're it, not worried about who's gay. <laughs> and it wasn't like legitimately, you know, I'm here with Charles Bronson, <laughs> Lee Marvin, and it's like, and, and it's all... Chevy Chase, John Belushi, Christopher Guest, another man named Stephen Collins, all doing gay accents. But so it's basically like, you know, Lee Marvin really talks like this. <laughs> you know, it, it's fantastic. And at the very end of the skit, they, they actually have to stop the skit because they just burst out laughing. laughing. What else did they have? A humor test with Dr. Chevy Chase. How can I really know if I'm a humorous person or an average run-of-the-mill I-don't-get-it type? Well, it's often better to find out if you're funny in the privacy of your own home first. Stand in front of your bathroom mirror. Now, insert the pinky fingers of your left and right hands, respectively, into the left and right corners of your mouth, like so. Pull hard so that your lips feel back and you can see your teeth. Are you looking at yourself in the mirror? Is it funny? You've probably started chuckling already, haven't you? A good sign. Belushi had a lot of great... And it turns out... Well, here's the sad thing. If you want to get the box set, oh, don't get the box set. It's up on YouTube. The whole thing's on YouTube. If you really want to get to know lots of times when uh, when when Joe and I start laughing on the podcast for very unfunny things, it's because what was said by one of the other of us was said in a voice from that. Like, and I just real, I'm just going down the list now, and and you made it, Bill Bradley. You know, Bill Bradley of the Knicks reference. I'm Bill Bradley of the New York Knicks, and I'd like to speak to some of you young white kids out there who are thinking of a career in professional basketball. You know, a new Supreme Court ruling now makes it possible for players of Caucasian background to be drafted out of high school as hardship cases. And interracial violence is decreased to a minimum. You just have to stay on good terms with the blacks on your own team, otherwise you got no timeouts left. Hey, Bradley, come over here and shack some balls for me. I want to shoot. But Belushi also had, you know, he played uh, this guy, um, what was it, uh, the Guru Doug? You know, he was like a, he, he was like a, he was like a Buddhist guru or... Uh, like, 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 and the great thing is... 
Uh, if Dan and John or Rod, anybody from my Fitchburg years is listening, um, Guru Doug would be somebody like a, a PJ Nichols or you know the the college kid who was Guru Craig Baker. Craig Baker. Craig Baker. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, there was another guy from 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 you know college who was always always over the top stoned and so philosophically deep and was dispensing advice that made absolutely no sense. But they would use big flowery words and very sinful ways of saying uh, the way you have to look at it. It's from the perspective of this thing from this place, and it's like everything you want to do is punch the person in the neck. Right, and it's all contingent on being high. Like, you can't achieve those plateaus of consciousness without getting fucking stoned. And uh, the fun thing about it is when you realize, like, we all know how how John Belushi uh, died. I I think it was something like, (laughs) anyways, uh, but he held this shit together, and he, he was... He was a writer. He was a producer of this. He just didn't show up and do his bits. I mean, he was a really, I mean, and same with Saturday Night Live. In this, yes, he was completely probably coked out from seventy two to the day he died. But while being that coked out, held his shit together to produce the Radio Hour or one of the producers. Now let's talk about the women, and by the women, I mean the woman, Gilda Radner. One of the more spectacular and memorable audio experiences you'll have. And it's a precursor to the nerd skits on Saturday Night Live between Bill Murray and Gilda Radner. It would be when Gilda Radner's playing a little girl going to visit Santa Claus, played by Bill Murray. And it's just the worst Santa Claus, probably before... Uh, um, bad uh, Santa. Bad Santa, yeah. Yeah, a completely drunk. Completely... Um, uh, it's the, the, handsy is is before the hashtag Me Too thing. Would, would he you call it handsy? No, he wasn't no. handsy. It, it, this was more cute, and and it's funny because you get the you get the feeling during the sketch that Gilda Radner is actually sitting on on Bill Murray's lap. Yeah, and, we hear it. And the recreation in the movie of Feudal and Stupid Gesture, they recreate that bit, and lo and behold, She's Gilda sick. Radner is sitting on her lap. Mr. Santa, for Christmas, could I please have a Busy Brenda mystery action vacuum cleaner doll? No, honey. Sorry. Could I flexy the pocket monkey? No, you may not have flexy the pocket monkey. No. The answer is no, you can't have it. Ha! You want a trap door? Whoa! (laughs) That's one of Santa's little tricks. The old trap door bit, baby, the oldest one in the book. You fell for it. Can I get a... That's wacky old Santa. At it again. <laughs> uh, it's funny because, again, what a launching pad. I mean, without the Lampoon Radio Hour, you do not have Saturday Night Live. Like, how many of these people, 40 years later, are still cranking out material? I mean, Christopher Guest is, is still making movies, still appearing in tons of stuff. I mean, well, Chevy, you know, just you know, was on Community as of a couple years ago. For the people that survived the 70s and the early 80s, what is your favorite uh, skit by a black comedian off the box set? Okay, then, there we have it. Uh, and again, like the, the, in, the, uh, in the documentary, make, make jest of it. The black couple was like, wait a minute, there was no funny black people back in the 70s? She goes, oh, we didn't really look that hard. But in our defense, we didn't have a lot of Jews either. <laughs> 
I mean, there were other, you know, classic, not classic characters, because obviously, like, a lot of these characters nobody fucking knows about. Like, do you know who Flash Basbo is? No, of course you don't, because you haven't heard this yet. But once you do hear it, you will never forget Flash Basbo. A lone starship hurtles across a trackless void, a single human spark bulleting beyond the barriers of space and time. Yes, radio listeners, set your imagination for the year 2000. It's time to blast off into the incredible with Flash Basbo, Space Explorer. But what was fun is he did. They did a lot of 1940, 1930 radio series of like what people in 1930 thought a space show would be, you know, 40 years later and stuff like that. But Flash Basbo, it was just, he was just this weird, like he wasn't this, you know, very articulate person. He was, he kind of talk like this and like he would kind of ramble on like kind of, you know, he would just kind of do a laundry list of things, and he, he would uh, he would kind of re, kind of react to what's happening in, in, in the room, and then maybe talk. He's trying to talk his way out of things, but then he kind of couldn't couldn't stop talking, and he kept talking like this, and then oh, what's that? <laughs> was uh, was that who was that? Was that a Christopher Guest? That was Christopher Guest, who was played by Seth Green in the movie. And again, you know, the the whole big setup, like the well produced. You know, opening, explaining the backstory, or in that case, the superhero opening with the sound effect. I mean, well, well put together. Yeah, it was like a serial. It's like, when we last left Flash, he was in the evil clutches of the evil doctor. You know? (laughs) And it would just go on and on. And then it's like, let's join Flash and see how he gets out of this situation. For anybody from uh, FNH, uh, if you want to Google or YouTube and just see if you can see, and it's only like a... 20 seconds you know radio skit is the hockey guillotine which is uh which is pretty great uh how about the canadian newsreel yeah (laughs) (laughs) some things we can't even quote i mean i mean um which is funny i wonder how many of the comedians were uh were canadian but yeah canada seemed to be in the uh in the gun scope of these guys quite a bit quick canada quiz what was number one in the hit parade in canada when Wake Up Little Susie was number one on the American charts? Who knows? But six weeks later, it was Wake Up Little Susie. <laughs> Even your recreations are, are, are pretty right on. Yeah, that's right. But I do. It's like when I saw the documentary, you know, I, I knew that a lot of the people went over, but I didn't know how many of the writers went over as well. And then I asked Joe, I'm like, do I not like Lauren Michaels as much? Because truly, he's just yeah. The the lampoon had its uh, internal problems and stuff like that, but truly, he built an empire based on what the lampoon had created. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, Lauren Michaels is a talented person in and of himself, but he just took the best of the best at the time. It's like it's not as if he ripped them from the National Lampoon. They were fucking done, right? I mean, the, 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 the show was canceled. These guys were doing the Lemmings show in New York on stage. But, you know, it's not like, you know, they were under a contract with National Lampoon and then all of a sudden Lauren Michaels comes in and goes, I'm going to take them away, see? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know. Maybe they stopped doing the show because they got hired away. I mean, I don't know the real, the real backstory, but... You know, without trying to get off of the radio hour too much, you know, what became interesting is that's when, you know, Doug Kenny realized, okay, well, I can't get into the TV space now because he took all my talented people and he's already done that. 
Uh, and there's no way there's going to be a second sketch comedy show on TV. So I'm going to have to go and do movies instead. And then that's when he went on to do Animal House and, you know, yeah. the Caddyshack. And I think with the Doug Kenny biopic on Netflix highlighting Doug Kenny, it's all about Doug Kenny. I think maybe there was a little bit too much emphasis put on Doug Kenny's maybe influence on the radio hour. I think he wasn't like the driving force of the radio hour. That wasn't his baby. That was O'Donohue's baby. It's not like Doug Kenny was this like evil genius. They're just, you know, he was like the. The Hunter S. Tom- Hunter F. Hunter. That's a Hunter good S. way, Thompson. right? He wasn't like this Hunter Hunter S. Thompson of like, of comedy that like nobody gets me, man, and you know, no, I'm not going to abide by any rules, man. Like he just he was kind of a fuck up, but he also wasn't the driving force. You know, he was just a heavy influence and uh, talent and com- you know writing talent. But he put all those people in the room together. Did he though? <laughs> <laughs> the show was broadcast nationally, I'm reading from Wikipedia, on 600 different radio stations. Now, radio for you millennials out there. <laughs> right. Well, at the time, I mean, you didn't have these big conglomerates. You didn't have, okay, he got onto Sirius or he got onto, you know, Westward One or something like that. They had to go market by market. It, you know, it was a lot different. You know, there, was, there wasn't a, um, like, the, these easy syndication channels. It's interesting. The show was on 600 different radio stations, but the radio stations were free to air it at any time that they wanted. Right. So it wasn't like in the old days, oh, you're an NBC, you're going to be 8 o'clock There was no appointment television with this. Yeah, it was just sort of like wherever you were, if if you were by a radio, probably on a weekend, and it was on, lucky you. And he stumbled upon it. Um, I wonder if it was a big, you know, if this was driven by college radio. Yeah, well, gee, college radio in 1973, gee, that's like a block. That's like a city block. How many watts is that? Right, but at the same time, I mean, depending on where you were, that was your target audience. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, true. And, and, and this this was this this was a radio version of the magazine, which was parroting parents and stuff like that, you know, the next generation up. I mean, the target audience was probably 15 to 24, <clears> which <throat> is a good thing I found it when I was 30, <laughs> 20 years later. Right. So, honestly, if, uh, if if you have the ability to listen to an awful fledgling podcast, you have the ability to go to YouTube and just type in National Lampoon Radio Hour, and in advance, you're welcome. <laughs> but seriously, watch the documentary on, uh, on Netflix. It is fantastic. A futile and stupid gesture. And one of my favorite things is the name of the box set is... Buy this box set or we'll shoot this dog. And there's a revolver pointed to a cute dog's head. Which is a reference, obviously, to the magazine cover. Buy this magazine or we'll, or shoot, we'll this shoot this dog. And it is. It's, it's, well, worth, uh, it's well worth the time. I, and it's well worth 120 bucks if you want to buy it on Amazon. I say. <laughs> I say get it off YouTube. <laughs> you know, because uh, Doug Kenny's dead. Uh, all these people probably are, you know, because it is literally 40 years later and it's somebody in their basement, somebody, some weird comic geek in their basement whose wife told them to get rid of some of this stuff is selling it. So the artists aren't going to make any money. So just go to YouTube and get it. True. True that. Um, any closing thoughts? I don't have any. But you? No, I think, uh, I think we're done. Oh, wait. Oh, we should, um, we should mention, um, Waiting for uh, Godot. Oh, that was. I mean, I, I, I'm, now this is a this is this is me not knowing how to close a podcast. <laughs> no, waiting for Godot is probably we 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 quote that weekly. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd say at least monthly, if, if not weekly. You know, at least it's almost a year now. Right, <laughs> almost a year. 
Yeah, we better get it going. <laughs> uh, but more importantly, uh, the other the other thing I did I wanted to bring up is don't forget. Or vacuum cleaners. You get the picture. Thank you, Marconi. You've been listening to the National Lampoon Radio Hour. Honk, honk, quiet wobbles the goose.